Well, good morning, church. I got to tell you, this is awesome. We got little munchkins up here playing in the confetti. How many of you know, I think this is a kind of a good picture of the kingdom of God, all right? It's giving us a little foretaste of what's to come. Man, what a great celebration. And I want to thank everybody. If you're brand new here today, you're probably wondering, man, does Living Stones do confetti cannons every Sunday morning? Not yet, but we're working on it, all right? <laughs> we're working on it. How many of you believe that the kingdom of heaven is a joyful kingdom, amen? Righteousness, peace, and joy. And I love the uh, celebration this morning that you all brought to the table. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, if you're brand new, welcome to Living Stones. Uh, we have a bulletin that I hope you received on the way in uh, that's full of confetti. And... Uh, has a connection card in there if you could take a moment and fill that out or follow the prompts on the screen there. We just love to connect with you. Uh, again, if this is your first Sunday, you're wondering what in the world is going on at Living Stones. Um, and it's probably good just to rehearse this. You know, today really uh, represents kind of the bookend of our whole, you know, campaign and vision launch. So after today, you're not going to see this up here and you're not going to see a lot of things going on because we've been talking a lot about this for the last several months. So today is our first fruits offering. Today is when we give for the first time into the vision. We're going to do that at the very end of the service, all right, just like we did with the pledges. And I'm going to kind of prime your hearts for that in just a moment. Um, but today is just, you know, to start off here, we're just going to give our normal offerings to the Lord, our normal tithes and offerings. And let me just encourage all of you, it's the normal tithes and offerings that keep everything moving forward, all right? That's so important. So I want to thank you for your financial faithfulness. What we're doing now is we're taking a giving journey together that really is a faith-filled journey because what what we're doing is stepping out in faith above and beyond what we normally give. And I realize that for most of you, that requires a step of faith. But I'm just telling you, today represents a journey. Uh, some people I hear, especially young people, they're like, yeah, I just don't know if God's real and all this kind of stuff. Um, God's only real when you put yourself in situations where you need God. And I think the problem with much of the church today is we play it safe so often and we, we never get out of our comfort zone, that God doesn't even need to show up at most of our churches. Well, I'm just telling you, God needs to show up big time because of what we're, uh, what we're embarking to do together. God needs to show up. And, uh, and you've been praying, and you've been making faith pledges. Our family did the same thing. I just want to tell you, God needs to show up, <laughs> all right? But here's, here's the beautiful part of that. That's what God loves to do. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage young and old. There's young people in this room. Uh, you don't even have a job, but you know what? You can go sell lemonade at, at the corner and make a quarter or whatever. Here's my point. You need to learn how to trust God when you're in elementary school. God will meet you in crazy ways. And it's not about the money. It's about investment. It's about stepping out in faith as a young person and believing God. So I encourage every young person, get engaged. I already know families that are putting little savings jars and doing all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, the, at the end of the game, when we look back several years from now, it's going to be exciting to see what God's done. And just so you all know, we're going to get messy around here in a hurry. By the end of the summer, the soccer field's gone. Some of you are going, my kids play there. Well, we're either we're moving them south or elsewhere, all right? But they will be playing in a parking lot, all right? Because we're going to start moving dirt this summer. How many of you are excited about dirt? Ah, I love dirt. I love dirt. 
And then by next February, Lord willing, is when we break ground, all right? Next February. So things are going to be happening in a hurry. It's going to get really messy. And I just love messy because messy means stuff's happening. Uh, The messy stall means there's something alive in that stall, all right? You know that famous uh, proverb we like to quote. Uh, There's something alive. How many know when God's moving among his people, stuff gets messy, but it's good messy. So we're going to be entering a season of good messy, and I'm very excited about that. and And I'll be sharing with you more about that in the message this morning, but uh, let's go ahead and bless our, our regular tithes and offerings and we have a chance to give this morning. Father, thank you for your provision. Thank you for providing for all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, even as we sow this morning, I ask you to bless people, provide for people. Lord, we need jobs. We need better jobs for some. Uh, Father, we need financial breakthrough. We need healing in people's bodies. Lord, we need salvation in people's families. God, we need deliverance from addiction. There's so much. Lord, we're, we're a needy needy planet earth and we ask you father as we continue to put you first that you'll continue to take care of all of our needs so we pray this all and ask your blessing on your people now in jesus name amen i'm not going to spend a lot of time on our bulletin this morning you can see we got some really great stuff coming up common ground coming up uh uh tonight that is right 6 30 we've got a book signing next week uh, with a couple of our authors in-house that you won't want to miss. They'll have their books out there when you can lo- support them. Uh, we obviously believe in marriage and family, and we believe in fostering kids and adopting children, and we've got a White's uh, Residential and Family Services that's going to be in the building next week. You can talk with them if that's something in your heart. Uh, and then we've got baptisms coming up at the end of the month. And I'm going to be introducing you to two brand new families that we have liberated from the brick kilns in Pakistan. Yes! Um, one family that's been there for 18 years and uh, can't imagine what that's like saying goodbye and starting your life anew. So I'm going to be introducing you to them. And uh, anyway, we just did, just so you all know too, we did a pastor's conference, over a thousand pastors. Uh, that was again, Living Stones. Uh, our podcast that we're doing is being picked up and put it on the air uh, in the Middle East and around uh, Europe on their uh, on their satellite network. So the message is going far and wide and it wouldn't happen without you guys being a big, big blessing. Uh, let me encourage you this morning to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 35, all right? Exodus chapter 35. And uh, I, I'm preaching on a message uh, called, You Can't Outgive God. How many of you believe that? You can't outgive God. Okay, one of you. That's great. I hope to convince the rest of you. Come on, you guys got to help me out a little bit this morning. We had confetti. Everybody should be loose. How many? I, I mean this sincerely, how, because this is going to determine how you live your life. How many of you genuinely believe that you cannot outgive the Lord? All right? Now... Now, just to clarify, I, I came across some interesting articles, articles online that were making fun of that statement. That's not true. But generally, because here's the deal. They think stuff like this. Well, if you can't outgive God, then I'm going to go sell everything I have, and I'm going to give it all away, and then God's going to give me 30, 60, and 100 times that, and then I'll sell all of that, give it all away, and then he's going to give me 30, 60, and I'll be a gazillionaire. How many of you know that is greed talking and not God talking? And that's, I, I'm saying this. People who live obedient lives to the Lord and who do what he tells them will never ever be outgiven uh, or will never outgive the Lord. That's what I'm saying. A life of obedience to the Lord, whatever we offer to him in obedience, God always has more. And can I just remind you, this is true of all of life. You're never going to be in a position where you have more of something than God. How many of you need more compassion? Guess what? God is the compassionate father. 
And that's a good word, father. How many of you fathers would like to be a better father? Well, guess what? We have, a, we have a heavenly father who's perfect in his fatherhood. My point is this. We're con- if you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to constantly be put in situations where you're going to face your lack and limitation. That's true of finances. It's true of loving people. How many of you have been around people that love other people better than you, and you're put to shame? You're like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could just be as, as selfless as that person, right? Well, God is the ultimate selfless one in terms of for God so loved the world that he gave, amen? And so we're always going to be stretched. But I want to encourage you in this. When you listen to God and you obey God, you will never outgive God. And I will build that case this morning. But I want you to open up your Bibles to Psalm, or I'm sorry, Exodus 35. Exodus 35. Moses has gathered the whole community of Israel together, and he's speaking the word of the Lord to the community. And this is what he's going to do. Verse 5, he's going to take a sacred offering for the Lord. Now that's what we're going to do at the end of the service today. It, and I want you to see, I want to frame this out for you. There are offerings. And I guess every offering at some level is a sacred offering when it's given to the Lord. But then there are our defining moment offerings that launch us into something that's above and beyond what we're normally in. And that's what today is. Today is a sacred offering to the Lord. And I want you to see it that way. Because how we give is very important. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. And look what he says next. Let those with generous hearts. Everybody say generous hearts. Generous hearts. Present the following gifts to the Lord. How many of you know how we give really matters to God? And I'm not just talking about money. If you are serving in any capacity, serving the Lord, all right, how you serve Him really, really matters. And if you're ever doing something out of a sense of duty or religious obligation, like I need to do this because pastor will be mad if I don't. First of all, how I many you know that's just, that's just religion? If I'm ever mad at you for you know, not signing up for the nursery, uh, something's the matter with me, definitely, all right? I, that's not how you operate. How I many you know the kingdom doesn't operate by guilt, manipulation, control, guilt trips? So that's, that's, religious people do that all the time. But the kingdom's not religious. The kingdom moves out of a spirit of grace and out of a spirit of generosity. And can I just tell you this? Like somebody asks you, hey, would you be able to help out in the children's ministry, in the youth ministry? Um, and you say, yeah. When you get ready to show up, I mean, let me make it about as real as I can get. How many of you lead life groups or have led a life group? Okay, good. Jeff and Michelle, front row. I got to pick on you guys. Have you ever got ready to have people? It's like life group night, all right? It's tonight. People are showing up. And have you ever on those days like had any marital conflict like before that happens? Okay, no. Okay, yeah. You liar. All right. <laughs> I mean, you know, those are the days the devil likes to irritate, bring irritation because you're getting ready to minister to people. Or you're like, I am so tired. I cannot believe we signed up to lead a life group. People are coming. And then maybe uh, Michelle, I don't know if she operates this way, but it's like, honey, get the vacuum cleaner out. We got to get this place in tip-top shape. People are coming over. Everybody's freaking out. And then the doorbell rings. Hi. Praise the Lord. Welcome. We've been so excited about you guys coming over. Not. All right. Because, because that's just life, right? But how many of you had this testimony? You press through. You run the vacuum. You're tired. You'd rather take a nap. But now you're going to love all these people that are coming to your house. And how many of you know invariably at the end of that time, you're going, thank God I pressed through. 
because something amazing happened, connection happened, ministry happened, just being together with God's people happened, and you leave, and you might be tired, but you know what? You're refreshed on the inside, and you're like, this was awesome. Here's my point. Whatever we do out of a generous heart, first of all, God blesses that. And if you can't do it out of a generous heart, either don't do it or get there. This is really important. Because whatever you're doing for the sake of the kingdom, if it's not out of a sense of excitement and joy, you got to do some brain work because you're not thinking right. You're not thinking right. There were years I served as a youth pastor, and I don't think the Lord got any glory out of my life because I was just frustrated and tired and didn't particularly want to show up on youth night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The problem wasn't the Lord, and the problem wasn't that God wasn't ready to do amazing things. The problem was my immaturity and selfishness. Okay, I'm, not, I'm trying to encourage you all this morning. Um, not sure if I'm accomplishing my goal. But my point is this, whenever we have a chance to give anything, our time, our love, our affection, our money, make sure you do it with a generous spirit and a joyful heart, because that's where the blessing is attached. And don't go, oh, I'm just a cranky person, so I'm never going to give anything. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let the Lord transform you on the inside to where you can move in a spirit of incredible generosity. It moves on after, after Moses describes the types of gifts that are necessary and the construction needs. Look at verse 20. So the whole community of Israel left Moses. They went to their tents. And look at verse 21. This is critical. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved, they came and they brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. How many of you know this is a work of the Holy Spirit on the inside? That number that we flashed on the screen was a supernatural number. You know what that number tells me? People's hearts were stirred. It tells me that people's spirits were moved. This is an Old Testament description of the New Testament work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of people. You know, you see incredible spirit of supernatural generosity throughout the New Testament, uh, especially you read through the book of Acts. Generosity, generosity, generosity. And I want to tell you something. Everywhere you find supernatural generosity, you see a move of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know when you want Can I just, I'm just meddling with you a little bit this morning. This is why the devil gets people bent out of shape about giving. Because on the other side of giving is a move of God. And if the devil can get you mad about a $5 bill in your wallet or a $20 bill or about the concept of tithing, he's ripped you off, not of your money. He's ripped you off of the presence and the power of God in your life because you just tripped over stuff. Generosity is the breeding ground for a move of the Holy Spirit. That's why I get excited about that number, but not the number. I get excited about what God's doing in your heart and my heart. I get excited about the people who are going to be supernaturally impacted. I get excited about all the new faces we're going to meet over the next three years. How many of you aren't good at names? You better get good at names because you're going to have to know a lot of new names. And they're names of people that God's going to be sending to us, listen to me, because we stepped out in faith and we made room for them. In other words, we're running around grabbing as many containers to fill it with oil as we possibly can, because when you run out of containers, you run out of the oil. How many of you know we want to have a lot of containers with a lot of oil? That's what we're after here this morning. Now look at what happened next, verse 22. Both men and women came, bringing their offerings, all whose hearts were willing. Now listen, listen to what God's looking for. Generous hearts, stirred up hearts, 
hearts who were moved by the Holy Spirit and hearts who were willing. How many of you brought that heart with you this morning? Because here's the deal. When we worship at the end in our giving and we sow into this three-year commitment, if we sow correctly, God moves on that offering and does something amazing with it as far as blessing. So don't turn this into a religious thing and don't turn it into a thing based on duty. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul says God loves a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver, it says in the Greek. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, whatever you give is acceptable if, 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 if you give it eagerly. Now, I was laughing because we had a lady first service, Brenda, who became a member not too long ago. She's sitting right over there where Courtney sits. That's her, that's her little favorite spot. And when we called her name, she, this was first service, she came running down like the price is right. She was fl- flailing her arms because she was joining our family. And I, I looked at her and I thought, this is amazing. She should be on the price is right because she could be one of those, Wah! door number three, whatever. My point is this, she came eagerly. Now, can I just tell you, it would be absolutely fitting for people to run to give this offering. (laughs) Because what you're running into is the provision of God, the presence of God, the vision of God, and the blessing of God. That's something to run after right there. That's what it means to give eagerly. Now, notice, we got this is our part. We bring our generous hearts and we bring our gifts. But look at the next point I'm going to make. In chapter 36, this is the post-offering celebration, all right? This is what we're doing today. This, this is Exodus 36 is Celebration Sunday, all right? Look at verse 5. They went to Moses, and here was their report. The people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't bring any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. Now, I am not making that declaration just yet. (laughs) But here's what I do want to make a declaration for this morning. Could you guys believe with me that over the next three years, we will have more than enough meaning. We will pay this with cash, all right? We will, we will pay it with cash. And um, we'll, be, we'll be giving you some numbers as we start doing the design work and figuring out the details, giving you some, some realistic numbers of what we need to believe God for. But how many of you think, and I, honestly, the number that we put up there is really closer now to about $5.3 million. That's amazing. Um, but we'll be sharing with you where we need to be. And I believe this, for some of you maybe watching even online, uh, you can go to our website, you can continue to make a pledge today and in the weeks to come, even as some new folks come in. I, I, I'm believing that we'll be able to, again, get this done with cash. But I want you to see this. When people move in supernatural, supernatural generosity, there is more than enough. And, and why is there more than enough? Because hear me on this. God is a God of more than enough. The reason the people are experiencing more than enough is they're experiencing the blessing of God, and God is always more than enough. So whether, you know, you've heard the stories of God miraculously multiplying food, we had to believe that in our household many times. Sometimes on Sunday afternoons, we're feeding not only our household, but all of our friends decided that they wanted to bring their friends over to eat too, and we didn't always get the notice on that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But here's the thing. What could be more like heaven than a house full of teenagers? Some of you are going, what did he just say? Yes, that's what I just said, a house full of teenagers. But you know what? It's amazing to me how God always expands what we have, and God always blesses what we have.
So I want us to move in that season of more than enough. Now, I, let me give you another principle, principle here quickly. We're going to move fast forward in the Bible from Moses and the, the tabernacle that was transported, and we're going to fast forward to David. David now is king. I'm in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7. David is now king. Uh, you remember he's moved from the boy out in the field with the sheep. He's killed the lion and the bear and Goliath. Uh, he's fought all kinds of battles to get where he, he is today. The hand of God has been upon him all, every step of the way. He's now sitting in a, in a kingdom over which he is reigning in a palace that is, I'm sure, pretty spectacular. And I want you to see what he says here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. And this is what he said to Nathan the prophet. He said, look, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Now, let me just park here, all right? I want you to understand David's heart and why we need to live a lifestyle out of the heart of David. How many know God said David was a man after his own heart? And aren't you grateful David was not a perfect man? David was a pretty messed up guy. I'm always amazed when I read the Old Testament and I look at, at how some of those folks lived and yet the mercy of God over their lives. Can I just encourage you? You're all candidates for incredible mercy and a happy ending no matter what's happened to your life, all right? But here's David, a man after God's own heart, and I want you to see why God loves this man. Because David is thinking about God. David is thinking about where is the presence of God, the Shekinah glory, the ark? Where is the ark? It's out under a tent. And I'm living here in opulence and wealth and blessing. Now, can I just say something to everybody? As Americans, I already dr drove this point home not too many weeks ago. As Americans, we all fall in the rich category. How many of you have a pretty nice house you're living in? Some of you might even have it paid off. How many of you even have some retirement stuff? In other words, you're already set money ahead for a rainy day. You don't have, by the way, you don't have to be ashamed about these things. This is all blessing. How many of you have a pretty decent car? You're not riding a chariot or a horse or a donkey to get to church or walking. You actually drove a car. Now, when you go to a foreign country, you realize most of the world do not own cars. How many of you have not just one garage, but a two-car garage or a three-car garage? Praise the Lord. You're never going to hear me criticize any of that. That's, but, but how about this? Where did all that come from? It's the blessing of God. Who does it all belong to? Oh, it all belongs to him. And so here's the point. While you're sitting in blessing in the United States of America, you sit back and you go, wait a minute. At church, we're busting out of the seams. At church, we're having to put more parking lots in. At church, we need more help. At church, there's no more space. And guess what? The harvest is still coming. In fact, I believe we've just begun to see the beginning mist of the harvest. So kingdom people start going, what are we going to do to get ready for that? That's what David did. So David called the prophet in and he said, man, I'm concerned. I'm concerned because, again, right after David says this, God starts speaking to the prophet, and God says this, you know, I don't need a house. The whole cosmos is mine. How many of you know God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? God, God owns everything. He doesn't need us to build him a structure. And I just want to be clear, we're not building a monument to God. Um, 
Can I just say this? This ground here, I don't believe is any more sacred than where you live when it's dedicated to the Lord. Your home is a holy place. You ready for this? I'm going to push the button even farther. When you go to work, you just sanctified your work environment. And what you do when you do it under the Lord is holy to God. So I'm not giving the message this morning. Let's build an opulent place called God's house. Living stones, the building, the brick, and the mortar. That's not the message this morning. We're not after gold fixtures and, you know, porcelain toilet seats or whatever made out of, you know, pearls or something like that. Um, As if that mattered to God. No, that doesn't matter to God. But can you all agree, facilities facilitate ministry. And when you say, Lord, we want there to be a place where you make a name for yourself, where your glory, when we come together corporately, where your presence dwells, and where people come to know Jesus, and they get set free, and they get delivered, and they get discipled, and they become the people God's called them to be, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. How many of you know God does care about that? Because that can't happen under a tree out in the parking lot. You know, I run into these super spiritual people that are always poo-poo on building anything, and I, I just want to bring them with me to India and places like that where they are meeting under a tree, not because that's God's perfect will, but because of the poverty and because of the corruption in those countries. So how many of you know this is a blessing right here, right now? This, this is an incredible blessing. And David just simply said, I have a heart for God, and I know that God's glory in the Old Testament was dwelling over that ark, and God forbid the ark is out under a tent when I'm sitting here living in some pretty nice place, all right? That's what David's thinking was. I want you to see what happened next. This is incredible. This is what Nathan says, the prophet replies to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind. For the Lord is with you. Let me just translate this. When you are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Some people get all paralyzed trying to discern the specific will of the Lord. Do I do this? Do I do that? And a lot of that is fear-based, all right? Listen to what I'm going to tell you. When your heart is submitted to Jesus, pursue your heart and know that the blessing of God is following you. In other words, God has given you a blank check when you're in the pursuit of his heart and his mission. What do you have in your heart? What is the dream? Pursue it. Whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. There was a time in my life I was seeking God. I knew he was leading me from one assignment to the next. But how many of you know sometimes God will let you know it's time to move, but he hasn't yet told you where? Anybody ever been there? I knew the well was drying up here, but I didn't know where the new life was going to spring. And sometimes the Lord doesn't care to tell us that information until we move. But this is what I was, I was reading and scouring the scriptures. How many of you know, I think God is delighted in the fact when we don't want to miss him, when we honor him. So I was seeking him, and I, Lord, show me, show me, show me. And in my Bible reading, that verse, how many of you know when God's trying to speak to you through the scriptures, many times a verse will jump off the page and slap you upside the head, all right? You have one of those aha moments. That's what I had. The Lord basically said, what is in your heart? Go do it. I will bless you. Here's what I want you guys to see. As we're thinking about the Lord and thinking about his house and thinking about uh, how we expand and how we touch more people, move with a sense that God's going to fill you with creative ideas and creative thoughts. And when you get those ideas and when he's speaking to you, move in faith and know that the hand of God is going to back you and bless you. Amen? 
Now, let me show you what God said. David said, man, I'm concerned about God's house. And look at what God does in verse 10. God basically says, I'm sorry, let me back up. It's verse 9. God says, because you care about my house, I'm going to take care of you. Look at what it says in verse 9. God says, David, I've been with you wherever you have gone. How many of you believe the presence of God on your life is the most valuable gift God could ever give you is his presence? That's why we want to be presence-driven. It's why we want to honor the Holy Spirit. It's why we want to treat the Holy Spirit like a person and not like Casper the ghost or a force or an Old Testament relic or a strange uncle that we don't like being around because he makes us uncomfortable. I, you know, you need the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. You need to know Him. You need to hear His voice. You need to sense His presence. When you come to church on Sunday, if you don't sense the presence of God, something's wrong. If God's not in the middle of our gathering, something is wrong. If God's not in your heart, look where you quench the hose. You kink the garden hose. Why isn't the water flowing? Ask the Holy Spirit if there's something going on. Lord, have, have I dropped the ball? Have I, have I grieved you in some way? Because listen, the reason I believe David was called a man after God's own heart is because David loved the presence of the Lord. And, and when the presence of the Lord lifted, remember when he was in his sin, what did he cry? Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So God said, my presence has been with you wherever you've gone. And look what it says next. You have, or I have destroyed all your enemies. That's talking about the power of God, the presence of God, the power of God. And look at this next promise because it's still happening even now. God says to David, I'm going to make your name, David, as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. Guess who we're talking about this morning? When God says he's going to back you, God is going to back you. When God makes a promise, God keeps his promise. We're still talking about David today because he believed God and because he cared about God, because he cared about what God was doing. And listen, he cared about investing in what God's investing in. And he cared about people and he cared about his nation and he cared about all the things that we care about this morning. And I, and, and I want you to see this. Look at the next verse. Furthermore, how many know when God says furthermore, that's like here's some icing and a cherry on top that I'm getting ready to add to the cake, all right? Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you. David said, God, I want to build you a house. And God said, oh, you do? Well, I'll build a house for you. This is incredible. What is the Lord saying? I'm going to paraphrase it. If you'll seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and you'll invest in what God's concerned about, God says, oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to invest in you. You're investing in what I'm doing. I'm going to back what you're doing. In case you haven't figured this out, God can't do what he's doing, at least in terms of finances, until he's blessing you. Because where does the finances come from? In a church, it comes from the generosity of God's people. So if you are not getting blessed, we are not getting blessed, and the agenda is not moving forward. How many of you think God's trying to set us up for blessing? If we'll give from generous hearts, if we'll think about God's house, if we'll think about the kingdom, if we'll think about souls, God says, oh, you guys are concerned about me? Let me build you a stinking house. I added stinking just to get your attention, all right? 
Here David's like, God, I want to build you this amazing t- temple where your glory can be housed and where we can come and worship you. And God's going, oh, David, let me, let me show you what I want to do for you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But the whole earth is mine. But, but I know you need to live in a house, and you need protection from your enemies, and you need my presence, and you need my provision. Let me just show you. I will ha- your, your dynasty will never end. In fact, King, King Jesus is reigning on the throne even today in the, in the seat of David and a, a part of his descendants, all right? So God's word is true. Let me quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Look with me here in the New Testament. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. I want, you to, sh- I want to show you something here. How many of you know it doesn't say God provides a seed for the farmer and then, boom, here's bread to eat. Guess what happens between the process of a seed and bread? It's called multiplication because you're going to have a tiny loaf with one seed. What does God have to do to get it from the seed to where you're cutting hot bread at the table and putting copious amounts of butter on it? Because that's what Germans do, right? We put lots of butter on it, right? And you're eating that nice steamy bread. What has to happen from the seed to the bread on your table? Multiplication. Lots of seeds, lots of grain, lots of flour to make some bread. Look at what it says next. In the same way, from the seed to the bread, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. Now, this phrase, he will provide, is an interesting word. It speaks about a person who both funds and directs this epic chorus or grand event. Back in these days, in Greek culture, they would have massive community-wide celebrations. Where, where that word, uh, it, it's the word in the Greek, uh, korigo, um, and it, it, it's where we get our word chorus. So if you could imagine a huge chorus like we had here today, all of you being the chorus, singing. This was an epic event that would be put on in those cultures, but how many of you know you can't put on an epic event without an epic budget? The person and the word that's used here in the Greek describes the person who throws the party, and you ready for this, and the one who pays for it. Can anybody make some connections with me here this morning? Jesus is the one throwing the party, and Jesus is the one underwriting the whole party. He is the one that's going to multiply the resources we need to get the job done. So he is the one that's going to lead this grand event, and he's the one footing the bill for the party, all right? The word increase means to make full to maximum capacity or to multiply. So God's going to throw the party, pay for the party, fill the party to maximum capacity, and then, and then some to overflowing. Now, I shared with you kind of the timeline. I want you to get excited with me about chaos, confusion, and mess. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, for one thing, we're going to start tearing up a lot of dirt outside. In my backyard, in my house, it's going to be covered with dirt. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be heavy equipment probably starting in the morning. Waking us up, it's going to be so fun. (laughs) It's going to be people out there playing on heavy equipment in the dirt, moving it everywhere. I'm going to sit out and drink my lemonade to the sound of heavy equipment operating, and it's going to be amazing. Some of you think, Pastor, are you being sarcastic? Absolutely not. 
because you're ready for this. I'm apostolically wired. That means I like to see movement. I like building. I like, I like when stuff's flying around. I like progress. My neighbors across the field, we're going to have the biggest dirt piles for our kids to get out, throw dirt claws at each other. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Your car when you come to church. That nice car God blessed you with is so pretty, and you polish it all up. It's going to be filthy when you leave church. In fact, we might have a committee out there that just goes by and puts, wash me on there, wash me. I was even thinking we could bless people instead of, you know, gift cards, we could bless you with car washes. Because you're going to come here, your car is going to be so pretty, you're going to leave, it's going to be disgustingly dirty. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be walking from that field. Some of you are going to be going, my gosh, how far do we have to walk to get into that sanctuary? (laughs) Isn't that awesome? (laughs) You're going to be catching your breath. I'm going to be adding years to your life (laughs) because of the cardiovascular increases taking place every Sunday. Your shoes, those nice spring shoes, going to be so nasty. Our foyer. It's going to be a pig pen on Monday morning. It's going to, Pastor Susie, it's going to be a pig pen out there when we come in on Monday morning. How many of you know if there's no pigs in the pen, no bacon on the table? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was nowhere to be found. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit. I don't know where that came from. No, my point is this. We're going to be inconvenienced greatly, and it's going to be wonderful. Because what it means is God's multiplying us. And a couple years from now, when we're worshiping, and believe this with me, what we're preparing now will be a capacity two years from now. Because it's not about a building, it's about people. It's about housing people. It's about ministering to people. It's about facilitating the ministry that goes on. So can you you dream with me? Fast forward. I love it. We're gonna, there's going to be steel popping up out there. There's going to be people doing all kinds of pouring concrete. Oh, my gosh. By the way, we just bought the house there next to, next to my house. Um, so we have more room to move around and get in and out. And, uh, and that's going to be great. Um, but, but here's my point. You guys, when, you, when we invite you over, you're going to be able to pull up in the parking lot in my backyard. You're going to be able to get out of your car, walk in my backyard. Isn't that amazing? Some of you are going, is pastor teasing us this morning? No, I'm not. I love it. It's going to be amazing. But I'm already thinking about these things and what that's going to look like. But I'm telling you this, you go through disruption, but here's the beauty of it. The Lord says, I'm going to uh, increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity inside of you. Here, here's the exciting part of this. How many of you believe that if you partner with God, in this journey that I know requires faith. Many people have prayed and the numbers that you get, you're like, I don't know how the Lord's gonna do this. That's because it requires faith. But here's the beautiful thing. God not only multiplies resources, but the Bible says he is going to multiply uh, and produce a harvest of generosity on the inside of me. In other words, I get changed by going through the process. How many of you could, could, could be more generous? I'm raising both hands, all right? What I mean by that is with my life, with my time, with my words, with my money, with with the whole package, I want to be a more generous person. 
I want, I want to die and people go, that Ron Johnson was such a generous person. Um, that would be nice to be said about me when I died. So here's the promise from God. If you'll partner with me on this, I'll throw the party, I'll, pray for, I'll pay for the party, I'll multiply it to where you're overflowing, and then I will also multiply a spirit of generosity inside of you. And as I shared before, when there's a supernatural spirit of generosity, God is in your midst. Now, here's some things. We're, we're going to have testimonies in, in the weeks ahead. I'm going to get those folks up here. We're going to have testimonies because there's already been some amazing things. I know of couples who are believing for children, and part of what they pledged and how God connected it uh, came back to a promise uh, in their hearts uh, for children. Uh, and when they share it, they begin weeping because of how God spoke and how God connected the dots. I'm believing for an outbreak of the miraculous. I'm believing that as we're doing this together, we're going to see greater glory, greater increase of God's presence, people getting touched, people getting healed, people getting set free, people coming back to Jesus. Uh, in spite of what we're watching right now, inflation, how I many of you know the kingdom of God does not operate in a spirit of inflation? My wife's telling me, honey, have you been to the grocery store lately? Prices are jumping. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So here's what has to happen. Your personal economy needs to jump with the prices. Did y'all just hear me? Your personal economy needs to jump with the prices. Who can do that? I know somebody who's big enough to do that. So listen to me. Let's stay in faith. Let's not curse the process. In other words, you can look at what's going on with gas prices or anything else, and you can curse it with your mouth. Why don't we just bless what God's doing? Because for some people, this here, this little ringing, is meaning God's squeezing out the last little vestiges of pride and rebellion, and people are going to be running to Jesus. So while this is happening out there, this is what we need to be doing. Woohoo! You see those gas prices? Hallelujah! Some of you are going, are you crazy? No, I'm only half crazy. When I'm in my right mind, like now, I'm not crazy. This, we have God's perspective on things. And you realize that you belong to the Lord, and he's going to take care of you. In fact, he, does he get more glory that way or the other way? In other words, does he get more glory when everything's perfectly fitting in your nice little family budget or when God's, you have to believe God for some things? So I think those of you who say, man, I want God to move fresh in my life. Hallelujah. He's getting ready to. And if you'll step out in faith and partner with him, watch how God will literally move heaven and earth to answer prayer and to provide for you. That's the, that's the promise that I have for you this morning. All right, here's what we're going to do. I want our worship team to get back up here. I got one more verse I want to share with you. Is that okay? Luke chapter 18. This is from the message paraphrase, but I love the way it says it. The disciples were whining and complaining. They were saying, Jesus, we've given so much, and my gosh, how much are you asking for? And this is what Jesus says. Look at, look at the, in a language we can, we can appreciate. You won't regret it. No one who has ever sacrificed his home or spouse or brothers or sisters or parents or children, whatever, no one's going to lose out. Listen to this. It will all come back multiplied many times over in your lifetime. And then the bonus of eternal life. Can I, can I give you guys a promise? Sometimes we've, we fall into this uh, posture right here. We say, you know, God doesn't promise you blessing in this life, but the blessing's coming in eternity. How many of you have ever heard preachers say stuff like that? Eh, that's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says you're going to get it back many times over in your lifetime. While you're here. What does that mean? It means if you live a generous life towards God and you obey God, you don't see it go from the seed to the bread overnight. There's a process. But how many of you, like me, that are getting older? Some of you, if I let my hair grow long, you'd see the gray, but it's kind of hiding because it's just right hair on my beard. But I'm a, I'm, I'm a mature person. I've walked with God since I was seven. Let me just put it this way. Over 50 years. David said this, I was once a young man, and now I'm old. I've never seen God's children forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. I'm telling you this. I have, I have been a tither since I made money. That was what was drilled into us by my parents, teaching biblical principles. As soon as I had a job, I started tithing. We've been tithing for over 50 years. We have never had a need that God did not meet. I just graduated my son the other day from Valparaiso University. Hallelujah. Um, God provided for him. God provided for other kids. We've got weddings. and gra How many of you know four daughters, weddings? Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. But listen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. It is insulting to your father to suggest he's not big enough to take care of you and your kids. He's big enough. So you know what you do? You just stay happy. You stay generous. You have a lifetime perspective. Sometimes it doesn't come today. Hang on. Might be next week. Might be next year. But you'll never, ever, 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 ever outgive the Lord. And if you'll honor him and you'll put him first and you'll live in the fear of the Lord and you'll be a blesser of people, God will pour it back into your lap, into your heart, into your kids. We just sang the blessing, did we not? We're going to sing it again. I want our leadership team to get up here if you would and join me, all of our pastors and elders and, uh, and wives. And I want uh, us to bring out our, our bucket. Michael, you're on the bucket. Pastor Dick, is this awesome up here, this confetti, this party we just had? Come on. Pastor Dick's a party animal. That's why I said that. Yes. <laughs> hey, honey, come on up here. With, join me. I want to, your mamas. All right. <laughs> this is the spirit with which we're approaching today. Like, this is the ground and this is our seed. And really what I want you to say is, Lord, we are believing that if you don't multiply this, we'll never reach that goal of what we pledge. But, Father, we give it eagerly. We give it joyfully. We're going to do our part. And when you drop it in, or how many of you know this is a faith transaction here? There's nothing magical. This is nothing magical here. But this is a faith transaction in the Spirit. We are doing business with God. This, is, this happens to be just the tangible aspect of it, but we're doing business with God. And so stand to your feet with me, and as you feel led and inspired or whatever to join with your spouse if she's here, or your husband that's here, or your kids that are here, let's sow in faith today, and let's believe God. So Father, thank you. We approach you right now with joy and generosity in our hearts. 
Lord, we seize this moment right now, and we ask you to supernaturally bring increase and blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship into this right now.